On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we speak with actor Aaron Ashmore from Smallville, Warehouse 13, and Killjoys. Plus, we recap all the mind-boggling Marvel, Lucasfilm, and theme park announcements from D23. Now, straight from the darkroom at the Daily Planet, this is 1.21 Gigawatts. Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 43 for August 2019. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that are cool and noteworthy and deserve to be celebrated. Do both yourself and myself a favor and subscribe right now at Apple Podcasts, Player FM, or SoundCloud.com to guarantee that you never miss an episode. D23 is so much more than a random alphanumeric combination. D23 is Disney's official fan club, and the biennial expo of the same name is their curated opportunity to show off the latest initiatives from Disney's theme park, products, online, and of course, various studio divisions, including Marvel and Lucasfilm. It's also quickly becoming a massive rival to San Diego Comic-Con in terms of overall announcements and star power. And the just-concluded 2019 installment of the D23 Expo did not disappoint, with a series of reveals that reminds you of two things. One, that you really look kind of silly with your jaw hanging open like that when you're surprised. And two, that the biggest entertainment conglomerate in the world is not fooling around. Before I continue, I should add that some of the following details might be considered spoilers, but let's not forget that every moment of D23 is carefully controlled and vetted by the mouse. So these are all going to be well-known details by the time the respective projects roll around. Let's break down the announcements, starting with the world of Lucasfilm. They were pretty much a no-show at San Diego Comic-Con this year, and things have been weirdly quiet considering we're just months away from the concluding chapter of the Star Wars episodic film saga and the debut of a TV show. Turns out, they were just waiting for their party to unveil these top five Star Wars highlights. Number one, the first trailer for The Mandalorian. It's gritty, it's bleak, it features shots of cast members Carl Weathers, Gina Carano, Giancarlo Esposito, and Werner Herzog looking like they're appearing in Expendables 4, A Galaxy Far, Far Away. It's got an awesome spaceship, great-looking desolate locations, an IG assassin droid in lethal rapid-fire mode, and of course, Pedro Pascal as the titular bounty hunter, looking intimidating and stoic before delivering a lethally creative beatdown on a group of aliens. It looks great and will be available on Disney+, Plus, the company's new streaming service debuting on November 12th. Number 2. The Rise of Skywalker Publicity Machine Awakens A new teaser poster for Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, debuted, featuring Rey and Kylo Ren facing off while corresponding blue and red lightning flashed behind them. And looming over this inevitable conflict, the shadowy face of Palpatine himself, seemingly staring straight at us. I'll never join you! Then, Lucasfilm head Kathleen Kennedy and the film's director J.J. Abrams were joined on stage by the cast of the film to reveal a Rise of Skywalker sizzle reel. 
following a montage of our story so far, we see our new heroes at some outdoor festival, a red-eyed C-3PO, and a dark side ray wielding a hinged double-bladed red lightsaber? What the what? Number three, Walt Disney World's Star Wars Hotel has a name, and that name is Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Okay, that certainly describes the premise, which is basically that a stay in this hotel is more akin to being on a cruise ship as it travels the space lanes. The in-universe name for this vessel is the Halcyon, brought to you by Chandrala Starline, and a stay on board promises to be a 100% immersive Star Wars experience for guests. Filthy, stinking, rich guests. Number four, the Clone Wars animated series got a premiere date. After a few years away from TV, season seven will be debuting on Disney Plus in February 2020. 12 new animated episodes featuring the in their heroic prime adventures of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Captain Rex, Ahsoka Tano, Squee, Mandalorian, Badass Bo-Katan, and maybe a bit more Darth Maul? And speaking of Obi-Wan, number five, hello there, Ewan McGregor. An Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series was announced for, you guessed it, Disney Plus, bringing McGregor back into the role of the beloved Jedi Master as he just hangs out on Tatooine, I assume? After years of this project being the worst kept secret in Hollywood, it's nice to see it finally, officially move forward. Now, let's turn to Marvel Studios, which despite the recent spider drama, is still an unstoppable juggernaut. Mega producer and Marvel Studios head honcho Kevin Feige just famously blew the roof off of Comic-Con with the formal announcement of Marvel's Phase 4 projects, and yet somehow he stepped onto the stage at D23 and did it again, announcing even more projects and details that no one really had any clue were even possibilities. The top five from Marvel are Number one, Kit Harrington joins the Eternals. Kind of. The super eclectic cast of the Eternals, ranging from Angelina Jolie to Salma Hayek to Kamel Nanjiani, was announced at San Diego, but they were all back at D23 as attendees also got a look at their costumes in the film. And then news broke that Kit Harrington was joining the film as well, but in the super unlikely role of Dane Whitman. Comic book fans know that name as the secret identity of the superheroic Black Knight, which begs the question, how weird is this movie going to be? Number two, three more reasons to watch Disney Plus. In addition to dropping more details about the upcoming Disney Plus shows Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, and What If, Feige announced three more shows to be rolled out over the next few years, all of which will mark the on-screen debuts of brand new characters to the MCU. They are Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, and She-Hulk. Fans have been clamoring for a Moon Knight something for years, and I'm personally very excited about She-Hulk, a great character, and especially Ms. Marvel. The story of Kamala Khan, the Pakistani-American Muslim teenage superhero from Jersey City, is one of the best comics of the last few years and has been on my personal wish list for an MCU translation for a while. In fact, Marvel Studios has so many new projects in development, it, frankly, it's hard to know what to wish for as a fan at this point. What else would I like to see get made someday? What's left? Um, I don't know, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Number three, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur are coming to the Disney Channel. 
Yes, it's true. The adventures of 13-year-old super genius Lunella Lafayette and her red T-Rex pal will be animated and co-produced by Lawrence Fishburne, no less. I'm beginning to think that Marvel is just showing off now. Number four, you can be the new superhero on campus. In the spirit of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Marvel heroes get their own immersive land in Anaheim, California in 2020. Avengers Campus at Disney's California Adventure Theme Park will recruit the next generation of superheroes in an environment that will include a Spider-Man ride-through attraction in which guests will shoot webs to round up Spider-Bots on the loose. Also present will be a PIM Technologies-themed restaurant where food will be grown and shrinked, insert microbrewery joke here, and some sort of Sanctum Sanctorum garden, and maybe a character show with audience participation? where you can meet Doctor Strange and other heroes. And eventually, a new e-ticket attraction where guests hop on board a Quinjet and travel with the Avengers to Wakanda and other parts unknown to battle powerful villains. And finally, number five, everything else! I feel like I've barely scratched the surface on everything Marvel that was mentioned at D23. Seriously, if you're a fan of recurring characters in the MCU, for example, track down the supporting cast of WandaVision. So good. Black Panther 2 got a release date in 2022, and there was even a panel on Marvel's Hero Project, a documentary series coming to Disney Plus about kids taking heroic actions in their own neighborhoods. Among the producers of this series is my friend Liza Wiles, and I'm so excited to see her name in the credits on Heroes Project's November 12th premiere date. But wait, I've saved the biggest D23 news for last. There's going to be a Moana-themed attraction at Epcot. What, doesn't that fit the nerd criteria for 1.21 gigawatts? It's got shape-shifting gods, a girl who communicates with water, Alan Tudyk as a cast member. That's a nerd movie right there. Maybe you'd prefer I talk about Frozen, which is arguably one of the better mutant origin stories to hit movie screens, if we're being honest. Don't challenge me on this. I'll sing this song. You know I will. If you watch superhero or sci-fi television, chances are you've been watching Aaron Ashmore for a long time. Aaron played the iconic Jimmy Olsen on Smallville, Steve Jinx on Warehouse 13, and Johnny on the sci-fi channel's Killjoys. You know who he did not play? Iceman in the X-Men movies. But if you tell him you enjoyed the role, he'll probably respond very graciously and let his twin brother Sean know later on. I interviewed Aaron in front of a live panel audience back in June at the Garden State Comic Fest in Morristown, New Jersey. And you'll be happy to know that in between talking about all of his genre TV work, we managed to find some time to talk about the agony of body waxing. You're welcome, everyone. Enjoy. 
I uh, have been uh, a lucky guy to, to be on this stage a few times this weekend, and I've uh, really been looking forward to this one. Um, you know this guy right next to me, right? You know him from Smallville, Warehouse 13, Killjoys, a million projects in between, and his general Canadian awesomeness. Soak in it, everyone. Please welcome Aaron Ashmore. Thanks, guys. Good yeah. to see you. Thank you for, uh, for sitting down with us. Come on in, everyone. Come on in, small ones. Um, so, I uh, I want to talk about uh, the early days, if we can, to, to start. Let's go back. This is let's go back go a all, few years. all the way back to the womb. Okay. Uh, I know that that you you started uh, as an actor really really young, right? Around age uh, eleven or so. Is that right? According I would to say. IMDb. Yeah, I would say actually even before then because we moved to uh, Toronto where, where I live now when I was nine and we'd already done, been do, working for about a year doing commercials so I'd, okay. I'd say probably eight or nine years old wow yeah alright and well, I'm 30 years because I'm 39 ooh, so yeah it's been it's been a long time a life of this yeah um, uh, one of one of your earliest listed IMDB projects and needless to say we're going to talk about all the really the fun <laughs> nerdy stuff that we all love of course let's but, talk uh, about the ones that nobody's ever seen I really too. honestly yeah. I really <laughs> historically I love Pick, like nitpicking, like yeah, yeah. How about this? All right, so so credit number one on the IMDb list is. Can something? I guess? Yeah, please do. Uh, married to it. Married to it. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> uh, married that was a long to time it. Ago. That's right. So I'm guessing that uh, since you were that young, you were neither the character doing the marrying or the it in nope. the in the title. No, nope. singing, um, <laughs> singing and dancing actually. Singing and dancing. Yep. Nice. Yeah. What what do you remember of of those really early gigs? Whether it's that or commercial stuff, even earlier than that. Do you do you? I mean, it's almost you were young enough that you might not even have like fully formed memories, no. but just emotional. Um, yeah, I mean, the the commercials and that were fun because you were just playing with toys. So like for a kid, when they're like, yeah, you come and we'll give you a toy at the end of it and you get paid, you know, like at that, that point, it's like eight years old, what do you know about money? You don't know anything about money. So sure. that wasn't a big deal. But uh, I do remember really enjoying it and feeling lucky that somebody picked us to play with toys to be on TV. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty sweet. As far as the those other ones... There's like, it's kind of a weird thing because you're very, very young and there's a level of professionalism that you're expected mm. to have, but mm -hmm. you're a kid, so you... It's, so what do you know? Yeah, you, so what do you know? But so I, I remember early on, like, really growing up, I think, quickly in those scenarios and also feeling it felt like pretty important, you know, like people were treating you like adults to a certain point because you had a job and you were getting paid and so it was a it was a funny thing those er, those early years where you felt kind of proud to be doing this thing but also a little bit out of place because it was all adults and they're <laughs> kind of treating you like an adult but yeah. kind of not yeah it's, well, it's and, a strange thing to do and for a few moments at least you're the most important person in the room which you know by yeah. the time you're rolling you're like and and rolling yeah like, and, oh, okay but when you're a kid also you do in these commercials and you do like 40 takes yeah. and you're like why are we still doing it and there's like a lineup of executives, uh, advertising executives that you do something and then they're all like... <laughs> yeah. And then the director comes over and says, um... Could do we have more faster? Of a yeah, yeah, you know, or whatever. And, like, they do that, like, 40 times. And so you're just, you kind of feel like, am I bad at this? Am I doing this right? But it's really, like, it's just, that's what they do. And, and the older you get, the more you're just like, oh, that's, that's the way it is. Yeah. So it's a strange thing to do when you're a kid. But 
Yeah. Worked out okay. But there you go, yeah. for sure. Um, I, I know that shortly after that, uh, I'll, this is probably emerging from a kid in a teenager and early 20s possibly, but some really fun genre credits early on, like um, Are You Afraid of the Dark and did, La Femme Nikita. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did two episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark. I did one when I was about probably about 11 years old, yeah. and then I did one when I was 18. Uh, they're both really weird. <laughs> like, it's such a strange show. I don't know if you guys have seen Are You Afraid of the Dark, but uh, very, yeah, sort of genre-y, very strange little anthology series. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, they're fun. Like, those were definitely really, really fun and very strange to be a part of, but... Uh, yeah, I guess I've been doing genre stuff since I was very young. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, you've been doing a ton, of course. I mean, I, we, of course, focus focus on a lot of the genre stuff because we, cause we love it and, you know, tis the season, right? That's mostly, I'd say, probably the majority of my work. That's, like, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the, all the big jobs that I've ever had, the big gigs have all been genre stuff. Sure, you sure. Know? Um, before we dive real hard into the genre stuff, I want to make a quick stop at Veronica Mars because uh, that show preceded um, Smallville yes, a little did. bit. Yeah, yeah. the year before, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, um, that had to have been a very cool experience. And that was a good six, seven-ish episodes, right? At least. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think about uh, maybe six episodes. I actually had auditioned and tested, like came right down to the line for one of the lead roles of Duncan, who was sort of Veronica's uh, boyfriend, uh -huh. like ex-boyfriend that had a, uh, one of the leads on the show. And I really wanted that part. I, I could just tell that the show was going to be interesting and, uh, you know, read with Kristen Bell and stuff, and she was awesome. So, uh, but I didn't get the part. But then when the show went to air, they called me up and said, do you want to play a character like Veronica's new love interest for the first four or five episodes? And I was like, yeah, yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, but, and then when the show actually aired, I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this show's awesome. Yeah. And then they brought me back, I think, for another episode or two uh, in another season. And, yeah, it was great. I, I really wanted to be in the movie, but I didn't get the call for that. So, uh, Right. You where, know? Where, did, where did the shoot? Where did the TV show shoot? Was that in San Florida? Diego. Oh. So not a big film no. place, really, uh, but an amazing place to shoot. Like, you can't, I couldn't think of a more um, laid-back and sort of scenic place to, to spend some yeah, time. Sure. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. That's a great town. All right, so uh, meanwhile, over on the WB was a, uh, a little show called Smallville, was uh, running with uh, great momentum already. So beginning with the season six premiere, mm -hmm. we meet Jimmy Olsen, young, spunky Jimmy Olsen. G. Willikers. G. Willikers, um, which is a, a heck of an introduction to dive right into something that uh, n not only has such legs, but, I mean, your premiere is like part two of this you know, gigantic, everything is changing and the world is ending and the cliffhangers are, yeah. you know, a mile long of a list. Uh, and then, you know, you get inserted into all of that. Yeah. Mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a very, very cool and uh, intimidating thing to jump into because going onto a show that has been on the air for six years or five seasons already mm -hmm. very very successful all over the news yeah. uh, and media and that like it was a huge show uh, and and everybody knows what they're doing everybody knows each other and then you're thrown in and it's like okay here play this iconic character and don't screw up and get up to speed and here you go and so you know that's a bit of a nerve-wracking thing but at the same time 
that's just the job and you just jump in and everybody was very very welcoming everybody wants you to do well so you just mm -hmm. kind of jump in and you know try and do your best but the, the one thing about my when I first got the show was that I have a twin brother who had played a villain on the show like <laughs> that's right Sean Sean had done something on yeah the show he, he played a bad guy there was uh, I think two or three episodes uh, so I, I did. I almost did an audition for the the role because I was like, how, why would they hire the twin brother of a guy who <laughs> right. had, had already been a bad guy who stole Clark's powers and all this sort of stuff? But I thought, well, you know what? It's a really great role. What's what's the harm? I'll just put myself sure. on tape for it. Away you go. And I didn't have to do any callbacks. I didn't have to do anything. I just got a call like three or four days later, being like, hey, uh, we'd like to. We we want you out in Vancouver. So I was like, okay. And I went there and. The first scene we were shooting was a scene where I met uh, Clark. And I said, guys, like, wouldn't it be kind of nice if I, we just threw a little thing in there that when Clark saw me and met me, he was like, Do, have we met before? <laughs> and then it's like, nope. No, I don't think so. I thought it would have been funny. Fans who, you know, really followed those details would be like, oh, that's a funny little bit. Right, a nod. They, the producers did not go for that at all. I don't know if I just clued them into the fact that they'd hired uh, the twin brother. Yeah, right, exactly. Like they hadn't thought about that. I don't know. That's but, the moment that you're going to get flashbacks to playing with toys commercials where all the executives again are like... <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those we things... We won't be needing you I, I don't know if they thought about it. I don't know if they, if they were aware of it. I don't know if they didn't care, but they certainly right. weren't going to play any references to it, which is a shame, because I thought it would be a, a, would be pretty a, a funny. fun little nod, but they didn't go for it. It, it does, uh, there's definitely like a little bit of the soap opera, uh, you know, in, instinct there, like, how do we not acknowledge this crazy I know, I thing? Just, it would it would have been fun, but the world has dropped on us. Well, of, of course, uh, that that is a pretty serious uh, production value show, of course, at, mm -hmm. at that point. Really yeah, especially pretty, at that time. Yeah, yeah, decent special effects, and yep. the Fortress of Solitude, as seen on screen, is yeah. there, and we've got hints of John Williams in the soundtrack. Yeah. Although it's it's dates, you know, it's dated. If you watch and some of the DC shows now, The Flash and, and that, the the amazing effects, it's like, it, at the time, it was very, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, on TV, there was not really anything like that yeah. where they were doing visual effects like that, superhero stuff. But, you know, when you watch it now, it's like, oh yeah, like things have changed a lot. <laughs> well, you know, it's sure. been, it's it's been probably almost a decade since it's been off the air, sure. and, and things of uh, the budgets and the, and the special effects have really, oh, for sure, you know, improved. So, but yes, at the time, it was like, yeah, amazing. They were spending some money on that. Yeah. I and I don't think anyone has ever successfully replicated the special effect of whatever was going on with John Glover's hair. That is still an achievement <laughs> that has not been matched anywhere, anywhere on television. Nobody, nobody knows. That was the true magic <laughs> of that show. How did it, it just got big and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was pretty great. So, so there, of course. Have, <laughs> have you interviewed him? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'd well, he would love to. He would love that. That'd be amazing he, if you were. It'd be, he'd, he'd, he's great. He's yeah, great. Yeah, he is. Course. He's amazing. But you do watch that and like, I don't know if it's because this is the early 2000s or something was just going think, on. With I think I think he wanted that hair. I think he, he like, you know what I mean. That's one of those things where it's like, sure, there's no accident. That he was like, you're not cutting my hair. This accident. is I want it like this. <laughs> Very cool. Um, there, uh, there have of course been a fair amount of, of Jimmy Olsons. Uh, I don't know if that's the correct plural. If it's Jimmy Olsons, Jimmy Olsons is. What, what was the trick with bringing something true to that character that that hadn't been done on the screen? Like we had had Mark McClure. Is yep. that who did it? Yeah, right. In the uh, the Superman movies for Times Four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really what. 
I, I mean, I think the essence of the character, everybody knows. I mean, if you're, like, it's it's a pop culture sort of thing. So yeah. it's like if you follow movies, if you follow anything, basically it's a character that people know as... You know, he's loyal, he's friendly, he's nice, he's a good guy. Like, just those sort of characteristics. And so then, you know, you're just, you're, you tune into those things. And then it's also, like, just where, where are the writers taking you? Like, definitely on Smallville, Jimmy's big role was to not be Clark's best friend, but to be Chloe's boyfriend. Yeah. Like, that was really sort right. of what right. it was. Like, uh, the focus was really on that and not so much about uh, he and Clark's relationship and friendship and, and all that sort of stuff that is more so, uh, obviously, in the comic books and in, in other iterations of it. So, y you just kind of have to go with the writing and see what they want, you know, what they want. But I think at the core of it, um, it really is just about him being this decent guy. And, and he's... I guess also the everyman in this thing. I mean, he's, he's sure. the, you know, everybody wants to be Superman. Everybody who's watching it is like, ah, but, you know, in truth, we, we are more so the Jimmy Olsen characters. Yeah. Like, sure. And that's an interesting place to be uh, in a sense where you're, you're sort of, and in a lot of ways, the audience in a way, or yeah. a viewpoint of the audience on, on this amazing, you know, hero. Sure. So, yeah, you just kind of play the writing, and, and obviously I'd... I, I, seen all the movies and um, you know read lots of Superman comics so I, I just I knew I knew what it was going to be yeah, yeah yeah, of course alright so let's shift gears to a happier place okay. and that happier place is a strange warehouse out in the middle of the desert uh, <laughs> called Warehouse 13 um, so much steampunk at that yes, warehouse yeah they really they really steampunked I, the hell out of that place they really really did yeah. I, I love I saw a steampunk Batman here yes have yeah. you guys seen the steampunk he Batman now? here he's the coolest oh he's over there <laughs> he's there He's You're cool too, though, Joker. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should battle later, maybe. That, yeah? that is the showdown I want to see. <laughs> I love watching all those little steampunk gadgets. Uh, I totally dig Warehouse 13. So did I. So again, this is another situation where you're entering into a show that already uh, exists. And uh, so the, like the debut of, of your character is literally titled The New Guy. Yep. Uh, introduces us to ATF agent Steve Jinks. And, and um, it's funny, upon rewatching that, uh, I was really sort of struck. Like, this is like the Men in Black story in a way, right? Totally. This is, this is the guy who's super, super proficient at a job that he's better than, in a way, yeah. and then gets recruited by this shadowy agency to, yeah. like, you're yeah. with us now, kid. Totally. Um, and, I, and I mean that in the best way. Like, if yeah. you're going to borrow from something, it's, yeah, yeah, it's no, so it's... satisfying. Um, I, I think, and, and, and you can comment on this far more than I, of course, but... Um, I feel like so much of the success of that show is that it's so firmly rooted in character uh, work, especially by season three when yeah. you go in that, like, you know, I don't know, as your character is, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. It's, uh, but watching Steve yeah. sort of navigate the waters of these crazy characters and, and environments, um, they're so strong and they're so solid in where their mm -hmm. characters are. Well, I think one of the things that great writers do is they you know obviously you're writing characters but especially for a, a, t a television series that's going to go on and there's so much character development if you figure out who your actors are and what their strengths are and even parts of their personality I think that's the interesting thing about Warehouse is that the writers 
started to use the the people's personalities, yeah. the actors, and sort of I- imbue a little bit of that into the characters, so that you have these people that are playing to their strengths because the the writers are writing things that are are sort of true about about the characters and sure. and, and also the dynamics between the characters. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that. Obviously, on the show, uh, Artie and Claudia had like a father-daughter relationship in a way, and I think that's because that's the dynamic that was sort of between them. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, you know, Eddie was just such a goofball, and and Joanne was always (laughs) rolling her eyes at him and stuff like that. And they kind of used that, and you know, they they just really, I think, found the strengths in the characters, and then just wrote to those things and, and sure. so you have these characters that, that feel very real and grounded because the writers are using the natural abilities and natural um, things of, of the actors themselves yeah I, I truly I can't understate I, how like I think laugh out loud funny that show is with, which is kind of rare for a genre show mm-hmm. um, that um, not that people you know not that other genre shows aren't funny but they're not necessarily trying for that but it, it's weaved into the madness that is you know whirlwinding around everyone so well, well the, I, again because I think it's just character based yeah and, and the the showrunner Jack Kenny came from a comedy background uh, uh, he right. did a lot of uh, sitcom uh, directing and writing and he was actually an actor too he performed uh, theater in New York for a very very long time so he knows performance he knows comedy like he would be on the set all the time and we would do a joke and he'd be like ah, I got something else it's better like you know he'd be like nice. it's working but mm, I, I think we can do this try this and yeah. and, and so you had to be really, really fast on your feet, too, because they would throw things at you. Same with um, Saul Rubinek. He, he, he was just would throw things, like little things at you, timing things. You say this, then you say that, you know, like just move <laughs> things around. And not like big speeches, but just little sure. things. So you really had to be on your toes. You really had to be able to keep up. And I, I didn't, that was like a real learning experience for me. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's also why the comedy works so well is because the guy who was running the show, what, that was his background. And that's what he loved, so... Right, he, yeah. right. When you've got uh, names also like Jane Espenson mm-hmm. attached to that, too, and, you know, yeah. she's also found a really nice, you know, had, like had a had a resume of finding that, that tone as yes. well, balancing yeah. that out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I love hearing Saul Rubinek stories, if for no other reason, because, <laughs> like, he's, you know, a veteran who's working that long. There's no way that, that he wouldn't be respectful, of course, but also not show up a little bit like, eh, I, I got this, let me... Yeah, add. well, you know what? He's <laughs> he's probably one of the most amazing actors I've ever seen because he had all the, di- the in most insane dialogue and the explanation for everything. And sure. as actors, we don't really usually love exposition because it's just a bunch of words and you're like, ah, this is really hard. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw him screw up his lines once. Even if you could see that maybe he got lost or he had a little fumble, he would catch it and just keep going. And I'm like, that's it, like wow. a skill set that is very, very difficult to develop. Some it people is. have it, some people don't like I actually don't even know if you can develop it some people just have a mind for these things but uh, but yeah he was a bit of a curmudgeon you know like his character <laughs> a little bit like not in a bad way but yeah he's a, yeah he's just kind of uh, he certainly wasn't incredibly welcoming to me when I first got there not he wasn't a, a jerk or anything like that but I think you know like I was the new guy and he's like well I don't know maybe this guy will be stick around maybe he's not maybe he's good maybe he's not I don't know and so I feel like he I, I had to warm him up. I had to earn my place there a little bit. 
with him, whereas everybody else was a little more like, hey, how's it going? Like, but but he really, I, I feel like I did have to win win him over a little bit. But mm. then when you do that, it feels so much better. Then when you're in. Yeah. 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 Uh, like by the time he we'd done like three or four episodes, and he, I think he was like, okay, yeah, you're, you're okay, kid. Like you, <laughs> you, you can stick around. I, I, I'm especially impressed then by the idea of like, he never dropped a line knowing that so much of his dialogue, which as you say, is like, well, let me explain the mystery of the Sphinx and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but he's got to do all that w- w- while like uh, operating some sort of like pneumatic tube. And, oh, totally, you know, totally. There's so much business that's going on. Oh, wait, well, I think that's like his acting style too is like, let's make it complicated and let's be busy. You can't just <laughs> sit here and say, you know, like, and that's a character too. The character's like, uh, f- you know, frenetic and moving around and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, and, uh, yeah he's was really, really amazing at that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, again, we're, we're skipping forward in time. There are many other credits, but uh, as, as we jump to Killjoys, um, now you get to... St- hey, there we go. That's what we, they've been waiting for. Um, you, hey, I know, and I saw that shirt earlier, so I know that's what you've been waiting for, too. Um, so... So the fates have finally given you the opportunity to start on day one. Hooray! Yes, yes. Now jump into something multiple seasons in. So, um, yeah, in from the beginning of this project alongside uh, Luke McFarlane and mm-hmm. um, uh, Hannah John Kamen, who many of us also now know from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yep. So she's got some stuff do- going on. She's doing all right. She's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've been rattling off some of this other stuff. Would you like to explain to the uninitiated the concept of Killjoys? Although I think that probably everyone is pretty much Maybe on board with that. Um, I would say that Killjoys is is bounty hunters in space, uh, uh, like a very broad sort of uh, uh, aspect. And I, as with a lot of other shows that I've done, I think it has a real sense of humor to it, a sense of fun, sense of adventure, and I think that's different than a lot of other sci-fi stuff sure. that's out right now. A lot of sci-fi stuff, not in a bad way, but it takes itself very serious, and uh, that was one of the things that our, our showrunner was like, no, like we're in space. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> it's not real. We make the rules. Yeah, we can have fun. We can, you know, make fart and dick jokes, and <laughs> we can, you know, just have, have a good time. So sure. I think that was her MO, was just like, let's have fun with this. Let's make a great action-adventure space show. And uh, I think I think we did that. I, I think agree. we did that. I think we had a, we had a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely it plays fa- very fast and loose in, in a good way. Absolutely. With these three, they're like, I don't even think they know what they're doing. They just, seem to have a plan, and then it goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I always end up saving everybody. And we're drunk all the time. Like, I was <laughs> like, we never eat in the show. Like, there's not never food, but we're always at the bar drinking, drinking and stuff like that. I'm like, these people are just drinking all the time. That, hey, it works. I, I think one of the funniest uh, ways to, to sum up a lot of a lot of your journey, a lot of Johnny's journey on this show, there is a, there's literally a YouTube video out there that is called Johnny Getting Whomped or Worse, <laughs> which um, uh, basically is like the um, the supercut of you just taking a beating over, which does seem to happen a lot on that show. I- that's your first scene. I'm much better <laughs> at taking a punch than I am throwing it. it. Yeah, yeah. But I can get the crap kicked out of me. Like I, I and I'll just keep coming. I, uh, yes. I. Uh, there's a, a community on Tumblr, I think, called like Womp or something like that, which is basically people who are into seeing people get the crap beat 
beaten out of him. Okay. It's like that I guess some sort of like sure. yeah. fetishy sort of uh, <laughs> right. thing that I did not know. I'd never heard of it. And then you start looking around, and I'm like, oh, there's like a thing that, and it's like, yeah, there's so many pictures and, your and own clips of me just getting yeah, beat beat to hell. And I was like, oh wow, there's people that actually enjoy this, and it doesn't seem like sadistic or like whatever. It's just like for whatever reason, like they like. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't ask too many questions. I was just sort of <laughs> nope. like, "Oh, this is a thing. People no. like uh, like to see you take uh, yeah. take a hit. Not just me and anybody, but yeah. That sure. I just ha I just happen to get beat up a lot. So well, it's a troubling thing to get typecast for. But um, <laughs> well, if uh, <laughs> if the checks as long are, as they yeah, as long sure. as they keep hiring me, I'll I'll take a beating. Yeah, you'll you'll take the punch. Yeah. Uh, so so earlier we we talked about uh, your brother Sean, um, your Who? twin your twin brother. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Him. he's all right. <laughs> that guy, that guy, um, and and I'm fascinated by uh, uh, I, I don't know the, the relationship I guess aside from the fact that he's your brother so you know there's the whole family thing but since he is also an actor are are you too competitive have you been competitive are you um, now competitive I think when we were younger we were. We started at the same time, and and it was always we'd go out for all, every every audition we went out for. We basically went out for them, and like sometimes I would book them, sometimes Sean would book them. So I think it started in a place where that was just the natural way, and we weren't super super competitive. I don't think with each other. I mean, there's a little bit. Of, I mean, a, a little bit of uh, competition. But I wouldn't say that we were super competitive. And then as we got older, Sean. Um, Definitely had some bigger breaks when we were younger, and then sort of went down to LA when he was maybe 20 or 21, and I stayed okay. up in Toronto. And so then we were in different markets, basically, or like different mm -hmm. cities. So we weren't going out for the exact same projects. I was going out for more things that were shooting up in Canada, and he was going out for things that were shooting, you know, more so in the states. Yep. So I think, and I think that happened at a good time, so that we weren't uh, in our mid 20s really trying to establish ourselves as a, as professional actors for a career and going at it, I think that probably would have been bad. Probably one of us would have, you know, backed out if we were still sure. in the same, you know what I mean? Like it, it would have been, town, yeah, it would have been weird. But because we're living in different countries on different sides of the countries, uh, I think that it allowed us some space, even though we were twins working in the same field, to just be ourselves and, and make a name for ourselves in our own yeah. cities. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about going out for the same things as kids, knowing that you started early, I thought, like, I didn't... I didn't know if that was the difference between we are up for the same role or we are going out in like an Olsen twins kind of way. No, <laughs> like, we never actually did. Never young enough. No, to, you know. and we were never identical enough either. I, I think usually it's for like TV shows and stuff like that when it's like, yeah, the, these kids are going to be working like full time for like a long time that yeah. they want to switch them. And we were doing commercials. It's like a day or two, you know, an episode of a show, like sure. three or four days. Like uh, we was never uh, those scenarios. Um, the, the the crazy thing is that we've been doing this for a long time and we haven't really worked together that much. We've only done one episode of a show called Fringe uh, as twins. Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, that is a great show. Um, and we're still looking for something to do. That's crazy. To get together, How like is that a. Not? Well, th there was definitely some a few things over the years that that we've done, but nothing. We've been definitely pitched a lot of stuff, but it's like Freaky Friday, sw Switcheroo uh, stuff, and you know, like yeah. we're almost forty. It's like uh, you know, <laughs> it's not so cute anymore. You know, you're looking right. for someone with a little. I'm maybe. gonna live your life. You have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. You'll live my life. I've got a seven-year-old. Yeah, it's just it doesn't. It, it's not really that interesting or whatever. So we're looking for a project to hopefully do together, but. Uh, but Fringe was great because uh, 
we, we got a chance to work together and we hadn't done it in a very, very long time. And it's cool. We work very, very differently. We have a completely different approach to working, I think. And as much as we look the same, I think we're very different actors, too. It's like, I, I don't think anybody would confuse our performances if you were just sort of sure. like uh, uh, picking the part uh, performance to say who's who. So I, I would love to work with him again. I don't know when it's going to happen, hopefully. Sure. Oh, actually, in Warehouse 13, there was an episode where Steve's character sort of got split into two aspects of his personality. Okay. One was... Uh, you know, incredibly flamboyantly gay version of Steve, and the other version was like a super stern, follow the rules kind of guy. And like, I guess the idea was when you mix those two things together, you get the Steve right. that we know. Uh, <laughs> which I don't, I don't know if that's actually. Who, no, that's yeah. math. That's math. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very scientific. I don't know. That's DNA. Uh, so the, the character got split into two, and they were saying, "Well, will Sean, you know, come in and play, you know, one of the versions?" And I, I think there's a couple things why he couldn't. I think he didn't want to shave his head because I had a shaved head at the time. He's like, I don't really want to shave my head. Even though when we did Fringe, I had to wear a terrible wig because he had long hair and he wouldn't <laughs> cut it because he's like, I'm growing it for a movie. So if I, if you ever watched the Fringe episode, sure you are, buddy. notice <laughs> that we have the most terrible hairdo you've ever seen. Sean's is real. Mine is a wig that they created and it's just awful. And then after the fact, when he saw it, he's like, yeah, sorry, man. I shouldn't have made us do that. Uh, anyway, so for the Warehouse 13 one, he didn't really want to shave his head, and he was also like, I, I don't know, I think he, he was like, well, which role do I play? Do I get stuck with the boring, like, serious one, or who gets to play the, to the flamboyant, yeah. like, over-the-top fun character? So I think at the end of the day, uh, luckily, they had a uh, budget that they did a split screen, and I got to play both characters, and I'm kind of glad that I did, because that's a... F fun thing to do and sure. and I definitely wanted to play the more fun character so if, <laughs> if Sean got to come in and do the fun one I'm like, like oh, this man, is a rip -off. this did yeah. not work out yeah, well this is not what I wanted to so you know there's we have sort of there's been there's been a few uh, um, places where, we, where it could have worked out and it hasn't but yeah is it some this is a bizarre question but oh boy for, for the well not that bizarre <laughs> uh, I, I can go bizarre if we need to go bizarre <laughs> so is it a is it a plus or a minus like for those that aren't paying as close attention in Hollywood or fans and I'm sure that you mm -hmm. get it at shows sometimes knowing that there is this this near identical human being out there who also has credits mm -hmm. like if that ever automatically inflates like your resume in a way that people are like um, I absolutely. totally know him you're Iceman yeah yeah I'm, oh I'm yeah not Iceman. it happens or that he's getting like you're the dude from Warehouse 13 no I'm not sorry well um I'll tell you at at a con, at cons Sean and I have this little thing we've done a few together but most of the time we do them separately and we have a little uh usually have a little piece of paper <laughs> and we I mark down how many times somebody comes up and thinks that I'm Sean yeah. And then I take a picture of it at the end of the con, and I send it to him, <laughs> and vice versa. He does it, and, and we keep track. And it's just like a fun little game. We keep ourselves uh, entertained because some people are like, oh, doesn't that, don't you find that annoying? And it's like, but how, how can you find it annoying? Sure. Like, it just is what it is. So yeah. we, we play games with it. We, we have fun. I love that. Um, and, uh, and the funniest thing with, with that where people sort of think the other person's, uh, for me, was that it when the X-Men movies came out, everywhere I went, right? Because they were just massive. Everybody would seen them, and Sean had such a great sure, standout. Sure, like Coke cans. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah merchandise. Merchandising, sure. yeah. Great standout role, in, especially in the second one. And uh, so I was like, oh, my God, everywhere I go, it's just like, <laughs> hey, Iceman, chill out, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. That, that got a little annoying. But he, uh, he and my family went on vacation. I, did, I wasn't there to Fiji. Fiji's a small South Pacific country. 
don't have a lot of TV there. And apparently Smallville was like one of the only shows that were like on cable oh, there. Yes. So he, every he, everywhere he went, like he's like literally from the time I got off the plane, <laughs> everybody was like, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen, Jim. And he's like, we got so much free stuff and like we got like the best seats at, at <laughs> restaurants and stuff because Smallville was like one of the only shows that was like, uh, that played every night like at the same time for sure. And I was like, ah, there you go. Now you got a little taste of it. That's nice. So yeah, it goes back and forth a little bit. I was going to say, I noticed in this story, uh, you'd never mentioned that he corrected anyone when they were like, we, may we give you the finest <laughs> table? I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I think he was just like, <laughs> yes, you may. Thank Clark you. Kent and I, thank yeah. you. He's like, chicken, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if people are giving you stuff, then you just say yeah, thank right, you very suddenly, much. You don't want to, you don't want to insult them or make them feel right. weird. So you just the say thank you very much. And I thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I always, I'm like, no, it's not me. Sorry. But you know, sometimes it, the, the amount of time it would take to stop and correct somebody, of course, you just, you just wave, you just smile. Sure. You know, I've actually had people. Um, when when I've, I they said, "Oh, hey," and I'm like, "Oh, actually, that's not me. That's my brother." And they're like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, it's my brother. And they're like, why, like, why would you say that? Like, you don't have to lie to me. Like, you're not that big a deal. Look, you know, man, that I type just of wanted thing. to say thanks. Yeah, right? and I'm just like, no, no, like, honestly, like, here, like, here's my ID. Like, I actually had to show people ID because they were like, you're just being a real jerk about this. Like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, no, literally, my name's Aaron. My brother's name is Sean. Like, look it up. And, you know, so, it, yeah. Sometimes, Whatever, dude. Yeah, sometimes you get into weird scenarios. That is fantastic. Uh, I would love to, because time is going to roar by, of course, and if anyone has any questions, then uh, I would love to give you the opportunity to ask them. So think about those, <laughs> and if you have something, then wander up here near the front of the stage, and I will either attempt to uh, put a microphone in front of you, or uh, we'll just make you or just yell, yell at me real, there, real loud. Yell at me. Uh, and we can we can do it that way, too. Um, so while, while everyone is thinking about that... <laughs> think uh, long and hard. Think long and hard. <laughs> Scroll through all those episode guides. Um, you, you've worked with, with so many uh, different directors and, and other fantastic actors at this point. Um, would you say, uh, like, have you picked up any, if there are people that are literally looking for performance, um, any advice that you would share with other people? And, and I feel like, and I don't mean to give you the answer, but I feel no, like no. often I ask this, and people are like, don't be the jerk. That's frankly the best, the most yeah, applicable advice. For sure. I mean, I think it's... Everybody's journey, um, if you're going to be a performer and, what, you know, whatever, uh, is, is going to be different. Mm -hmm. uh, I, there probably are some universal things across the board that, that you can do. Uh, a, definitely don't be the jerk because there's so many talented people out there that if you are difficult to work with or you think you're hot shit, pardon my language, like there's no, there's no space for that anymore in the industry. There used to be. I think, you know, people used to get drunk and be like... Uh, be terrible people. Yeah. Well, and, and just like a mess, like unprofessional and stuff, but they still work because they were stars and all this kind of stuff. There's just no, there's no space for that anymore. Um, and if you're treating people, uh, you know, or you don't show up on time, like professionalism. If you're not a professional, there's no, there's no space anymore for that. So you have to be, you have to be professional. Uh, also, I mean... Very few people make it overnight. I think most people, it takes a long time. Uh, you know, little opportunities turn into something a little bit bigger, and then you fall down a step, and then you build back. You know, like, it's it's not... Uh, very few people get off the plane in L.A. or whatever, and then, and you know, book Here's a... Your standard rich and famous contract. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. there's definitely some people, like, I, I feel like... 
I heard like Chris Hemsworth or something like that, you know, booked Thor, like pretty much like he hadn't sure. been around for two, you know, like right. there, there's Week one Thor. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know, there's definitely some scenarios where that happens, uh, where people you haven't really heard of them. Then all, all of a sudden they're, you know, huge, but most people put their time in and, and grind it out and you don't really see that. You just see when they're, when they've, uh, doing something with they've accomplished or whatever. So that's another thing is that thinking it's going to happen overnight. Like you have to be patient and that's hard because you, you know, it's, it's a grind. It can be a grind. Sure. Um, and like, just keep doing The other interesting thing now for people is that you used to have to wait for somebody else to hire you. Now with all the uh, platforms for you to put yourself out there in ways, YouTube, um, and even equipment, you know, like you couldn't, uh, now you can get like digital cameras, like handheld stuff that you can make something that looks really good on and, and you can do it yourself, shooting short films, putting that, those out to agents, putting that out to festivals where you, you know, uh, 10 years ago, even that was not really doable. So I think it's true. If you want to do it, you can create content for yourself and not necessarily wait for people to give you opportunities and yeah. creating that content, people will see it. And that may lead to opportunities as well. Sure, so, sure. Um, Are there uh, things that you would still like to do? Are there bucket list roles or opportunities that uh, that you'd like? Or is, at this point, is that just get a good night's sleep? Because I know you have young kids. No, <laughs> you, no you know, um, I've been, I feel very, very fortunate in my career to have played a bunch of, a, a bunch of different characters and, and been part of uh, shows that, you know, are not the, the, the you know, bl blockbuster biggest stuff, but uh, that I find that I feel a really quality, that I feel very proud to have been part of, and, and the characters I, I feel really proud of the work that I've done. I would like to continue to do that. Just, you know, do stuff that I'm, I'm really... Uh, passionate about working with cool people. Um, specific roles, no. Like I, I think every role is, an, is a challenge, and I'm and I'm up to doing a bunch of different things. So I, nothing super specific in that regard. But um, I, I wouldn't mind getting behind the scenes a little bit more. Um, I'm not a writer, but maybe developing ideas with somebody who is a writer that like maybe catered to to you know something that I would like to do. So maybe maybe that. Sure. But as far as acting, I just want to keep working. Sure. Like I just feel so lucky to be able to make my living doing something and be able to come to cons and stuff like this. Like you know, I get invited to come somewhere because you guys watch the shows and are interested in what we do. And like sure. that's a pretty cool feeling as as an actor to know that there's people that appreciate what you do. Yeah. And like a lot of a lot of us, a lot of other people, jobs, we don't get that. <laughs> You know, we don't sure. get that validation. We don't, like, most of my friends, I have, I have lots of actor friends, but I have a lot of friends that are not actors. Well, they don't get this sort of, like, right. pat on the back yeah. and, like, hey, thank you so much for, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't they, happen. They're not invited to everyone's house every Wednesday night. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So I know how, I, I appreciate how lucky I am and what a really cool career and opportunity that, that I have. And I, I, I don't ever, um, I don't ever want to lose that. Sure. You know, uh, appreciation for, for what it is. So I just yeah. want to keep keep going, keep working, and keep doing stuff that people appreciate and enjoy because it's fun to entertain people and it's fun to, you know, hang out with people too. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, any questions? One last opportunity. We're running. Oh, he's got one. He's Superman. Back. Hello, my name is Michael Marino. I'm a reporter for the Superman homepage. Um, my You're question... basically Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> true, that's yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah, you are the real life Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> yes. Um, my question for you today is that uh, for if you could go back to Smallville and have an episode where Jimmy had a superpower, what would it be and why? 
Oh, that's that's good. Uh, you know what? I think Jimmy on that show was due for a superpower. He got beat up a lot. He got the the, the crap end of the stick a few times. So, um, yeah, what would his superpower be? I mean, I think basically J Jimmy needs to have Superman's powers for like a day, 24 hours. Uh, maybe they could do a Freaky Friday like swap thing, you know, like where uh, Clark gets really good at photography and uh, bumbling, and uh, and and then Jimmy gets Clark's powers for the day and can just kick butt. Because that's all Jimmy wanted, right? Jimmy just wanted to be like friends with the red, blue, blur, and stuff. So I think it would have been nice if he was given those powers. Maybe he'd be able to fly though. And then he would be like, Clark, what the hell is, what's so difficult about this flying thing? What's taking you so long to learn how to fly? <laughs> yes, it is. Of course, that means then you're going to be like in a rig, on a blue screen for a week and a half. And uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being the real life Jimmy Olsen. Come on over here, young man. He's going to yell it. Uh, so there was a period on the show Smallville when Jimmy was on drugs. I do. It's all strung out, and then he went over to Oliver begging for money to fix the car. Just curious, did you do any kind of background research as an actor to addicts acting differently, or did you wing it? Did you say, I mean, I may have may may or may not have experimented not for the role, but just in just in life, a little bit with you know not heavy heavy drug use, but uh, and yeah, you know the. It's all on the page, right? Like, yeah, I've seen enough movies. I've seen enough, um, you know, uh, television shows uh, to, to, to have an idea of what, what that would be. I mean, it, it's Smallville, so they didn't want to go too dark or too, you know, like that wasn't really the tone of things. And they also didn't, I was like, so what drug is Jimmy taking? And it's like, well, nobody, no, well, I don't know, he's taking drugs. You know, like, it was, it was sort of unclear as to what. So I, I had thought, like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, figure out what the drug is and sort of play into whatever the symptoms were or would be. And everybody was kind of like, well, I don't know, he's, he's just on drugs. So that sort of got squashed a little bit as to, like, what, uh, you know, what was he on heroin or was he on speed? Like, we just didn't know. Uh, so I just kind of played what made sense in the script and what the directors were kind of going for, but I, I don't think that they wanted to make it super specific. Um, so I just did what I could. And they put, you know, makeup under your eyes to make you look, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I'm pale that. normally, so they just, yeah, they just didn't put any makeup on me. That was just my natural opinion. On, on a show that's got to have, like, a show Bible this thick, right, also, the, 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 for this issue, like, I don't know, the, the bad ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, they don't make them feel good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Hey, Aaron, quick question for you. When you were on Smallville, uh, if you could tell us about a scene you were like, yes, I get to film this, and then a scene where you're like, oh, my God, I have to film this. <laughs> so, yeah. um, well, the, the, well I, I'll tell you the episode that, uh, that, that I loved was the noir episode. Uh, and I think all the actors were like, sweet, we get to like do have cool suits on and hairdos and the girls get all done up. I think that was a really, really fun episode, especially when we started shooting it and, and knew that it was going to be in black and white. I think to me that was seemed like, and it was a Jimmy-centric story, right? Like Jimmy got hit on the head and then this was his. So that was pretty exciting for me to, to know that I got, you know, was going to have a big part in that. Um, as far as the scene where I was like, ugh, no. So on Smallville, Basically, you weren't allowed to have facial hair, 
unless you were like like Lionel was allowed because he was like a bad guy, you know, like that t type of thing. Um, but you weren't allowed to have body hair or facial hair. So there was a scene where I had to be, I was supposed to wake up and I think with Chloe or something like that and they were like, oh, you have to go get waxed. Your chest waxed uh, uh, before that we shoot the scene on Monday and I was like, what? And I was like, I could just like shave, like maybe I'll just shave it. They're like, no, it has to, we can't see stuff. It's got to be completely gone. And I was like, okay. So they sent me to this place to get waxed. And I'm pretty hairy. So it was like the 40-year-old virgin, basically. And like that shit is traumatizing to your skin. So I showed up on m Monday and it was like just red and irritated. It was like it had been bleeding. Like it was like a 40-year-old virgin. And, I was, and they're like, oh, well, you can't go on camera like that. It's like, so it looks like a, like a total mess. And I was like, I know. I could have just shaved. Like you guys made me. They said, and I was like, anyway, so that was the one where I was like, ah. I was not looking forward to being waxed to have to go on camera. Nah. The glamour of show business. I know. Of, come on down here really quickly, Super Grover. I'm really loud. I teach. Oh, all right. <laughs> go for it. Out of all the roles you've ever done, what's the one prop you've taken from the series? Ooh, which prop would which you prop? take? Well... Uh, from Warehouse 13, I did take the metronome that kept my character alive. Because uh, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's what I want. I wanted to take some of the Tesla guns from this show, but they were auctioning those off, I think, for charity and stuff like that. So I was like, well, okay, that's fine. You guys can take those. But I did get the metronome. And Allison, who played Claudia, really wanted it too. But I think because it saved my life, I was like, Allison, you got to give it to me. Like us. Um, from Killjoys... I took my entire uh, like costume wardrobe, so they made these incredible uh, leather jackets, like completely like fitted to fitted to you, like they garb them up like crazy, super cool. My um, my holster, which kind of wraps around your leg, and a belt, and my space gun. So I, I joke with my wife that I'm like, in 10 years, I'm gonna like put it on, and you know, for my daughters, and be like, Daddy was a space cowboy, and they're like, that doesn't fit you anymore. And I've got a gut, and I'm like, no, it still fits. I think I can pull this off. So I took, I did take that home with me too, uh, and. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I, I, from from those shows, I got what I really wanted. Um, I don't know if there's anything from Smallville. There's a couple. I think I got a shirt. There's like a a red sort of bowling shirt from Smallville that like looks like very Jimmy Olsen-ish. It's like a classic shirt. I, I took that home with me. Uh, it's in my closet somewhere. Um, should have worn it this weekend. Didn't think about it. <laughs> Um, and I think that's it. I, I, I can't think of other things that I wish that I'd taken. I sort of tried to get some things from each show that I wanted. I w like I said, I would have taken more like some of the stuff from Warehouse 13 because the props were incredible. But uh, they sort of were trying to auction stuff off or other people wanted stuff. So we, we didn't get too much stuff. Love, you, love your nose, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, yeah. Well, I did, like, I think Smallville had 22 episodes, and I think my contract was for, like, 13. It's a lot easier. <laughs> because, you like, literally, you're rested. When you come to work, you're so ready to go because you're like, oh, I, I've only had, I've had, like, three days off, and now I'm going to work. So it's a very different uh, vibe. But 
working and being there every day, you really, you really embody the, the character because you're doing it all day, every day. So it's a very different feeling. Um, you also know that the show rests a little bit more on your shoulders. You're like, you have to bring your A game every day because you're in every scene or you're there all the time versus the, the more supporting roles, you know, you've got less to do or you're not there as much. So, uh, I mean, it's the same. Like, you still try and bring your best to everything you do, and, and but definitely when you're there every day, you really feel, you really embody those characters. You start to become those, or you feel like it a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you look forward to, to sharing this stuff with, with your daughters? I know they're probably young enough that n none of this registers, and do you, do you no. expect that they're going to dig this or be like, eh? I, do, I don't know. <laughs> I think they'll probably be like, eh, because I'm their dad, you know? Yeah, so right. it's like, they're probably Uncle Sean they'll I'm think Superman's is really cool. Superman's friend. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, you're not Superman, so. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think anybody that grows up with anything like that, they'll probably, I'm just going to be their dad. They're not going to think it's that cool. Sure. Um, maybe like their friends will or something, and then maybe they'll be like, oh, maybe my dad is I cool. I guess it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I need to start doing kids' shows so that they can watch something. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, um, I can't thank you enough for the time. May all your future waxings go well. <laughs> May all your metronomes continue to tick. Thank you. And There's no uh, more whacking, waxings in my future. So it ain't going to happen. <laughs> that is done. Yeah. <laughs> that ship has sailed. Um, one more time, let's give it up for Aaron Ashmore, please. Visit Thank you, him guys. over Thank you. in the Villains Arena. He's sitting there waiting to talk to you. Go on up and say that he was great in next Thank you for all the you. research you did because that's an excellent interview. So oh, this thank guy you so is much. Great. Thank you so much. Appreciate thank it. You. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Bye, guys. Thanks. Hey, so good. Oh, so so well researched. I appreciate it. That was great. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guest, Aaron Ashmore. Special thanks also to Dave O'Hare and Sal Zerzolo at the Garden State Comic Fest and Eric Belomo for all of the awesome field work. And thanks, of course, to you for inviting me into your ear canals to nerd out. It means more to me than you know. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like? And what deserves to sink into the swamps of Dagobah until it's eaten by a dragon snake? You can tell me by leaving me a message at one of the show's social media channels. They are the 1.21 Geekawatts Facebook page, where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Geekawatts, and on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Geekawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds at the 1.21 Geekawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Get thee to 121geekawatts.com and wallow in the nerdliness. And while you're nerding around on the internet, be sure to visit marvel.com, where you can find more of my work as the writer of the Marvel Top 10 video series. The most recent episodes include Top 10 Infinity Stone Protectors and Top 10 Time Travelers, a video you may have already watched in the future. Visit marvel.com to see the full videos. Hey, did you know that every episode of this podcast is available for free at Apple Podcasts? It's so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. And while you're visiting Apple Podcasts, you can help us out. Whether you're a subscriber or not, please rate and review the show, especially if you have something nice to say, because that will help more like-minded listeners find the show. If you are not an Apple Podcasts user, you can also find us at SoundCloud.com or on Player FM. You're probably listening to my voice right now, thanks to one of those platforms. 
Browse the other episodes listed there and check out another one. I'll even make a recommendation. If you enjoyed this episode's interview with Aaron Ashmore, I encourage you to check out episode number four when I spoke with a similarly named actor, Aaron Stanford, star of 12 Monkeys, Pyro from the X-Men movies, and more. That's episode number four of 1.21 Gigawatts. Give it a listen as soon as you finish this one. Huge gratitude to my co-producer, composer, sound designer, as well as mentor, teacher, and guide through the soundscape of life. Awooga. 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 David Cisco. You are and remain the best Cisco. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all of those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome rocking out with the 1.21 Gigawatts theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Whatever geek wants is what we got From Doctor Who to Aqualad You might meet Luke and Leia's dad Pop culture that is super rad Hosted by some guy named Brad It'll rock you to your nylon Cylon socks 1.21 freaking gigawatts You know, we never really did talk about everything that uh it's fine i'm just glad you're fine you too <laughs> okay if you uh if you want to walk away without making eye contact that's cool with me <laughs>